Thank you for joining today's first episode of the Jewish Men's Healing Podcast. The goal of this podcast is to share support, guidance, and hope for men who may struggle with their place in life and in the Jewish community and may struggle with a sense of their masculinity. Additionally, our goal is to encourage all men to realize that they are created whole and they can find a sense of wholeness through support and connection with other men in healthy ways. Today, I am honored to have my dear friend, Shalom Rosenson, joining us all the way from Israel. Shalom is a certified NLP coach, practitioner, and mentor. NLP stands for Neuro Linguistic Programming Coach and Practitioner, with over 12 years of experience working with clients in workshops in group settings and individually helping hundreds of men grow in their sense of masculinity, both in the Jewish community and beyond. Most recently, Shalom has been running a workshop called Inner Wholeness that helps men with their growth based on Carl Jung's masculine archetypes of lover, warrior, magician, and king. Shalom, it's an honor to have you. Oh, thanks for having me. What a great introduction, both to your podcast and to my program. I've heard wonderful things about it, but we'll get to that soon. Uh, but before we get started, please tell me a little bit about yourself and your history that led you to this work uh, around men's health. Wow, that's a big question. Um, I started uh, I started what I refer to as my, my real healing journey about 12 years ago, um, maybe 13. I'm 40 now, so I was around 27. Um, and that came after years and years of sitting in a therapist's office trying to figure myself out and how to quote unquote get better and um you think you figured yourself out already no absolutely not but i've definitely (laughs) made some headway definitely made some headway I'm, i'm definitely on a good path and starting to figure myself out um there are some things that i think i've figured out i haven't mastered them yet but i'm getting there maybe uh anyway um I, growing up was rough, growing up was rough. I grew up in a, a secular home. Um, I'm religious now living in a ultra-Orthodox Haredi community in Israel. Um, but uh, the environment in my home was, was very, very challenging. Um, there was alcoholism in my family and there was abuse, verbal, physical, uh, it, it was rough. And uh, I, I, that, that's the tip of the iceberg. And I, I ended up with some really unhealthy beliefs, some really unhealthy behaviors, um, a lot of fear, a lot of fear. I was shy and introverted. I'm still introverted, but I'm not so shy anymore. Um, and and I spent so many years sitting in a chair across from a therapist, just trying to work it out and understand what was going on inside of me. And about, about 12 years ago, I discovered the world of, of workshops where people go away for these experiences. And it was just so incredibly different. And I, I latched onto it with both hands. It's become a huge part of my life. Uh, like you mentioned in my intro, I've been involved in, I don't know, probably around 50 workshops. I've led them, I've started to write them. I've helped write pieces for other people's workshops. And it, it's, been, 
it's been really, really rewarding. I've found myself a part of a community of people that are involved in what we refer to as men's work, where we, we push each other. We push each other to figure it out, man, to, to be a better man, to, to, to go deep. It's like an invitation. It's an invitation to go deep, which unfortunately I don't, I don't find so much in the world of men today out there in the world other than in these circles, this invitation to go deep, to use an emotional language where I can really share what's going on. It's fascinating to hear this, uh, you, you know, to hear your past and how it led you to where you are today. Are you saying that men's healing is something that everyone should be going through? Because it doesn't sound any, you know, it sounds like trauma work or your childhood work is, your, is the men's healing work. I'm pretty sure it was Rabbi Tversky, and I apologizing if I'm misquoting Rabbi Tversky, but I'm pretty sure it was him who said, there are two types of people in this world, those who are in therapy and those who should be in therapy. It's, you know, we're, we, we had a swarm of termites last week, and I was speaking to a realtor, and she said to me, there's two types of homes in California, homes that have termites or homes that will have termites. <laughs> so it sounds like so it sounds like like the same thing. There's 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 men that need to be in therapy and men that are in therapy, but everybody yeah, we, needs some form of we therapy. We either we either have healing. problems or we're going to have problems. Yeah. Uh, another question I had on what you were saying is: Do, do you think that you know sharing your story? You talk a lot about having you know trauma, uh, alcoholism. Do you think that all men? in their lives need to have some sort of trauma, some sort of uh, extreme uh, thing for them to work? You know, what, what if I'm just a regular guy who says, my life is good, everything is fine. Uh, is that possible? I mean, it's definitely possible that someone could say his life is good and everything's fine. In theory, we've all been through some kind of trauma. It, it's not necessarily something huge, but just being born into this world is a trauma. Just having our parents tell us that we can't have another cookie is a trauma when we're that young. It's we throw fits in our terrible twos because things are things are dramatic to us. So we've all been through some kind of trauma, but it's not always so dramatic. It does, it's not always so far reaching that because of those things, we end up with problems in adulthood. But that being said, um, there's there's always work to be done. There's always something that can make me, that can make us stronger to be fortified for the journey, for the road ahead. So I think that even though not everyone needs this necessarily deep, intense trauma work, I think there's what to be learned. There's what to benefit from being involved in it or exposed to it. Yeah, told this to me, but you know, I was said everybody seems to have it worked out until you get to know them. And once you get to know somebody, you know that they, they have a history of their own, but until you get to know them, everything is perfect in their lives. Um, and I think that we all have, have work that we need to work on. Man, uh, is that true? <laughs> yeah. Um, when, you, when people struggle with their masculinity, uh, what, what, before we get to what the struggles are, how would you describe a healthy man or healthy masculinity? Uh, I think that's very, very, I, it's, it's like an intimate question for each individual. 
that everyone really gets to define that for himself. Um, but I, I think that if I were to, to begin to try, at least for myself, it, it has to do with being present, not being stuck in the past or always focused on the future, um, really here and now, whether that be with pain or pleasure, meaning if I'm going some, through something, I'm not running away from it. Um, I think that's true strength. I think that's being truly powerful to be able to be present with what is, um, even if it's something outside of me. It's one of my kids going through it, through pain or through something really, really difficult um, and not trying to fix it. Because that's the mask that's seen as a masculine trait nowadays being Mr. Fix It. Um, and there's a lot of people that consider it to be a toxic masculine trait to not be able to be present with what is and to always be trying to fix. So uh, in my map of masculinity, that's something that that makes a man more, more, more focused, more powerful, more present, that that presence, that not needing to change anything, just being able to be there with it. Uh, what else? I mean, there are things that are important to me, like providing for my family and um, creating a, a home for them. But uh, to define masculinity for, for everyone else, uh, I'm not even going to try to do. So many of us go, have gone through the 12-step uh, the programs in different, uh, different ways. And when I think of um, you know, the summary of getting to healthy masculinity, I think of the step where you know, surrender uh, being the a step towards healthy masculinity, that, that as long as we're in control and we think that we have it all worked out, we're never going to get to healthy masculinity. Uh, once we surrender and realize, hey, I don't have control over all this, I'm just doing the best I can, but I'm dedicated to doing the best I can, that's when we get to uh, healthy masculinity. I know for myself as a kid growing up, I used to look, uh, you know, and I, I grew up uh, in, a, in a religious home and uh, pretty much the environment that I was surrounded was uh, a religious environment. And I looked, I always looked up to the, to the guys in the yeshiva that had success in their learning, success in doing programs. And, and, I, and, and in my mind, that was healthy masculinity because these are guys who are the successful ones, the ones who accomplish things, the ones who are recognized, the ones who are doing things that, you know, in the Chabad world, you know, doing Mifsayim, going out, putting on film people. And for me, that just wasn't my strong suit. And it wasn't something that I, if anything, I was afraid of it, I was scared of it. And, and learning to embrace myself, how I was and how I am, was a huge step in my, in my healing because I had to embrace that I'm going to be a loving person and I'm going to be a kind person. I'm not going to be the stereotypical masculine guy that the yeshiva system had portrayed masculinity to be. Um, and, and I think that for, for you know, what, what you were saying about being present, being there, being involved with your family, uh, being able to provide for your family, doesn't mean that if somebody can't provide for, for their family, they're not healthy, you know, a healthy man either. But if they're, if they're there and dedicated, I think that that brings a huge amount of, um, a huge sense of masculinity to them. Do you feel that the, um, 
that there's a bigger challenge of masculinity nowadays. Um, you know, in the secular world, there's a lot of talk about the Me Too movement and, you know, men being less than and blah, 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 things of that sort. Um, do you find that to be an issue in the religious community or do you see that as just, you know, the secular world and men in today's community and the from community don't have such struggles? Oh, I, I absolutely think these struggles have reached the from community. I was actually having a, a conversation recently with a woman that works with, uh, with women here in Jerusalem, uh, victims of, of abuse. Uh, she works with empowerment and she talks about how women are being erased. And she's always showing like magazines of families where the woman is blurred out. Women are being erased from, erased from religious society. And, and as much as I, I hear that and, I, and, and maybe that's a, a huge problem, it is a huge problem in a way. I told her the same thing's happening to men. Our contribution is no longer being recognized in so many facets of human existence. Like dads have been reduced to salaries, to what they bring into their home. When, when it comes to the emotional support of the children, people are looking to the mother. Oh, I'll, call, I'll call her mother. Her mother will know what to do. Her mother will know how to make an appointment with the doctor. Her, his mother will know how to take care of this and that and the other thing. And fathers are just kind of being released from, erased from their place in, in what's happening in family life. And not only that, with, <clears throat> with everything that's happening around emotional experience, men are expected to, to, to be the backbone, to have a backbone, to be strong and powerful and have it together. And, and men are also having an emotional experience. We're also human beings, but we're not being taught that emotional language a lot of the time. We're not being taught to express emotions or we might even be taught that boys don't cry or boys don't have emotions or man up or hold it together or be strong. And, and these things are becoming like taskmasters over our heads, telling us that we have to have it together all of the time. So masculinity, authentic, real masculinity, where we get to show up and, and be present and be a part of what's going on and process our own stuff because we also have stuff going on beneath the surface, it, it's being, it's been, it's been taken away from us. It's kind of been swept under the rug or put into the shadows. Men don't do those things. And as a result, I think a lot of men are really in crisis without proper avenues for figuring their stuff out. They're in crisis. I remember the first time I cried after I got married, I remember the shame I had uh, that, you know, here I am, and my, my uncle had just passed away, um, you know, and I was very close with him. And I remember the, the shame I was having internally. And my wife is telling me, like, it's okay. You just had a trauma. You know, thank God I have a supportive wife. And, and here I am feeling like, wait, I'm a man. I'm not supposed to cry. Or if I'm going to cry, I'm supposed to cry in private. Uh, nobody's supposed to see it. And, yeah. um, and society doesn't tell us that men are human, men have feelings, men are allowed to be emotional, men are allowed to fall apart. Um, 
and and knowing that it's okay uh, to 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 just be you, be your authentic self, is something that we don't get nowadays. Uh, at least society doesn't give us nowadays. Uh, but but it's but but these men's uh, these men's group do provide this. So I'll use that as a segue to t- tell me a little bit about what these men uh, these men's workshops do and how they help men with uh, healing and masculinity. Actually, you, you really sparked something within me. I'm going to share before I answer that question, if that's okay. Sure. Growing up, uh, my grandfather was it's really. Uh, he was a big guy and I saw him as very, very powerful. And my father also was tall and burly and he had a very physical job and he was very rough and tumble. And they referred to us as Rosenson bulls. But like we, we just, we kind of like plow through, we get the job done. We do what needs to be done. We're these powerful warriors. Grr. And that was the image of masculinity that I grew up with. So anything that kind of pushed up against that, that image of what a man is supposed to be, I thought meant that there was, um, I thought it wasn't okay. And not only that, I thought it meant there was something wrong with me. So yeah. uh, I'll use that as a segue into talking about groups. These groups are a really, uh, really special place for people but to before, come Before you talk about the groups, if you don't mind talking so, about the individual, the, what is- Great. Uh, I think that uh, one of the things that you mentioned before from the 12 steps, you talked about surrender. I think that's a huge part of it. Uh, part of surrender is being present with what is. It's kind of surrendering all of my preconceived notions and my, my ideas that I had going into it. It's, it's letting go of all of those things that tell me I need to be a Rosenson bull or men don't do that or um, that if I do such and such, it says something about me. So surrender is definitely a huge, a huge part of it. Um, wow, on a personal level, um, recognizing the difference between what is and the stories that I told myself. Like between what's really true, what's a fact, what's factual here and now, that I can see with my own eyes and all of those things that I believe to be true. Because a lot of the times the things that we believe to be true are, are false, where we make mistakes. We come up with these ideas that whether or not we know where we came up with them from, they, they're just not expanding us. They're not making us feel better about ourselves or, or helping our growth and development. They're, they're keeping us stuck. Um, and a lot of times these are, these are false beliefs. They're false ideas. Um, there, there are so many things and it really depends on the situation that a person's in, but sometimes it's just that it's about the situation that a person's in or the places where he's stuck about getting himself out of those places where he's stuck and either getting sober or setting up accountability or making a change or changing the people you're friends with or um, showing up differently or setting aside time for myself, for everyone that's really gonna be very, very different. Um, but it's, it's a recognition of the way it is, is not necessarily the way it's meant to be. Would you say that perhaps the summary of, of you know, healthy masculinity is 
accepting what what is and allowing the allowing a process to to happen you know okay i i i may not like where i am right now i may have a vision of where i want to go but doesn't make me or where i am right now bad and does and if i can't get to where i want to go doesn't make me a failure and yes. and that is healthy masculinity is embracing yourself yes just because i accept where i am right now or accept what is right now doesn't mean it's all good and perfect it doesn't mean it's as good as it can be if i accept myself with my chesronos with all of those things that make me imperfect that doesn't mean that i don't continue to work toward perfection or toward being better it doesn't mean it's all okay but it means it is what it is right now and i'm going to grow from this point from where i am right now because as long as I'm denying it or running from it or not recognizing it in any way, so then I can't grow from where I am right now because I'm not recognizing it. I'm not accepting it or I'm not accepting yeah. who I am in this moment. You but said that's something a really, that's a really Go important ahead. distinction is, is accepting where I am right now doesn't mean everything's perfect. It doesn't mean I accept all of my downfalls and my chesronos <laughs> and all of the things that I need to work on. But I do if I could say it a little differently, it doesn't mean that you accept that they are there, doesn't mean you're going to have to live with them and you have to stick with them. Right. The, the, something you said before about, uh, about the stories uh, we have in our head. I remember I participated once in a workshop and they asked me, uh, they asked everybody, you know, before we start, is there anyone here that you're bothered by um, that's going to prevent you from doing the work? And I remember there was one guy there in the, in the room that it bothered me how confident he was and how put together he was and he he knew what he wanted he had his life all worked out or so it seemed and and um so they had me stand across from him and uh and and asked me a couple things you know what what do i know about this guy and in reality i knew nothing about him and then he told me about his life how he you know how he was uh, divorced and he had no relationship with his children and and that this was a mess and that was a mess and he doesn't know where he's living. And, and I realized that so much is a picture we paint in our head of, of how things need to be and how things are, when in reality, that none of that is reality. <laughs> in reality, none of that's reality. Um, and reality is what we make of, a, of our current situation. Absolutely. A lot of times on workshops like these, they, they bring out things just like that really early before you get to know people, just in order to help you recognize that you're telling yourself all of these stories. And we all are. We kind of use our judgments to fill in the gaps when, when yeah. we don't know something. Yeah. Okay. So tell me a little bit about the workshops that you're currently running and how they help men um, with their uh, struggles. Oh, okay. So uh, inner wholeness is something that, that I developed with a friend of mine during, uh, during this period of COVID when all of my men's circles fell apart. Uh, all of my in-person men's circles fell apart. So we decided we wanted to develop something that we would run via Zoom. And I presented the idea of doing something around the masculine archetypes, uh, which is an idea that was put together by Carl Jung. And my friend countered that 
we'll do that, but we're going to do them as they relate to the four elements. So here we have the lover and water and the warrior and fire and the magician and air and the king and earth. We have these four energies and these four elements that make up all of us. And they make up all of us. It doesn't matter if you're religious or non-religious. It doesn't matter if you're Jewish or Christian. It doesn't matter if you're living in Asia or the United States. And we've done this with people from different continents. And we found that even though our manifestations of these energies are different, that everyone we work with can, can relate to these four energies. Um, I wanted it to be, to be experiential. I didn't want it to be these long uh, like TED talks. I didn't want it to be a long PowerPoint presentation. I wanted people to have interaction, to feel connected and to have an emotional experiential experience being on these calls with us. And, and that's what we managed to develop very, very, to a very surprising degree that was the feedback we got from the people on these calls. And the, the attempt, and we've found much success with it, is to expose people to these four, these four elements or these four energies within each of us, the lover, the warrior, the magician, and the king, to really teach people about how they can show up, how they can drive us and manifest in our lives. And, and each of us are going to relate to different energies naturally. We're all kind of drawn into different areas. So there are places where people feel very, very much connected. Yeah, that's my energy. I got that. I'm, I'm right there with you. I know exactly what it is that you're talking about. And then there are the other ones where people are feeling really dry. And as we're talking, we're kind of like a deer in the headlights. They just don't they don't get it. I don't, I don't resonate with this energy at all or some places where people are even afraid of them. So in those cases, we try to kind of clean up the preconceived notions of what people think these energies are. We give them an opportunity to, to understand the, the highs of that energy, where they're in wholeness, where they're having really positive influences on our lives and where each of these energies may negatively influence our lives where they may cause us a lot of chaos or turmoil. And in giving people the tools to have a very positive experience with each energy, which they do during the week between sessions, we have take home materials and ways for them to really connect to each energy in between sessions. We, we kind of, open up their eyes to maybe this whole realm of existence, of experience that they hadn't tapped into before. And to, to live as a, as a whole healthy male, we all actually need access to all four of these elements, to all four of these energies. So if I'm completely shut down from one of them, it's going to get in the way at some places in my life. So as these guys as I have cleanly connected to each of these energies, it's opened up opportunities for a really new experience. It helps connect in deeper ways. It helps make boundaries where I need to make boundaries. It helps me give myself, myself 
honoring where I deserve to be recognized for the things that I'm good at and things that I do. And ultimately, it really, it helps us create boundaried, healthy, safe spaces in our lives that, that bless us and, and others. So that's, in a nutshell, what we're doing in inner wholeness. It sounds it sounds fascinating. It's a, you know, so if I'm summarizing what you're saying, that there's there's four masculine archetypes, and I've I've heard about the masculine archetypes. I'm going to ask you a question about in a second. But to summarize, it's there's four masculine archetypes, and we have all four of these. Um, some of us haven't been able to tap into them for whatever reason, and um, and as we tap into our true masculine archetypes. We begin to live in our inner wholeness, as your uh, uh, your group is called, and we live free. Uh, if if I remember correctly, when I when I had learned about these uh, archetypes, there's also shadow archetypes of these that uh, that each of these have have the the shadow or the 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 negative side of it, and and essentially we're we're all living, you know. We're all living with these archetypes. We're, the only question is whether we're living them in the whole way or in the broken way. And uh, mm -hmm. it seems like the, the goal is to shift over from the, from the shadow or from the, the dark side of it into the, uh, to, into the wholeness and to, to the joy of it. Mm -hmm. Well, if I wasn't living in California, I would definitely join a, uh, a, a the truth is I, I could even join if I'm in California now that it's on Zoom. You absolutely could. Well, I'm going to ask you at the end how people can uh, can join in. You'll you'll tell us where people can, uh, or maybe just share it here, and then at the end we'll ask again. Sure. Um, we right now we we don't have our own web page, but we have a page on Facebook. You can look up Inner Wholeness Workshop on Facebook, or you can reach out to me directly um, at Shalom Rosenson S H O L O M. Rosenson, R-O-S-E-N-S-O-N at gmail.com. And I'll put it in the uh, description uh, at the Great. end as well. Um, okay, knowing what you know at this point in your life, uh, you know, and you said uh, 12 years ago, you got involved in this. Mm -hmm. uh, let's say you're talking to Shalom 12 years ago, or maybe Shalom 24 years ago. What oh, would boy. you tell yourself? Um, and how would you jumpstart the process uh, back then, let's say somebody doesn't have access uh, to uh, to all the resources that uh, you're providing, but they want to begin doing work. What would you suggest? It's such a hard question because I don't know that I would have been ready for it, but there are definitely things that I needed to hear. Um, one is that it it wasn't your fault. Um, I don't know that that's vastly connected to what we're talking about, but that's definitely something that I needed to hear as a kid, that it wasn't my fault. Um, and <laughs> if I would have listened, which I'm not sure I would have 24 years ago to anyone older than me, um, I think that uh, being exposed to this kind of work that has, has been a saving grace for me would have would have would have been beneficial had I discovered it earlier. This experiential work where I get to 
to recognize in a very physical way uh, through connection to my breath, through my connection to my body, that my thoughts are not me. They are something outside of me. And I think that that realization was my starting point when I finally saw all of that stuff that I'd been telling myself for so long outside of myself. When I got to put it on a table across from me and look at it and say, what have I been doing? Um, and maybe that would have helped. What you're doing is something that I would have benefited from as a kid, even as a teenager, maybe not as a kid, as a teenager, as, a, as an adult, but I didn't know about such things. Um, and even if I well, knew about, go ahead. well, do you want to, do you want to, do you want to share with me, with, with your listeners, how you got involved in all this? Sure. Sure. Uh, thanks for asking. Um, I got involved in this. I was, my mother passed away when I was seven years old. Um, and that impacted my life in a way that, I mean, you can only imagine a seven-year-old losing a mother. Um, you know, I'm one of 11 children, so I'm a part of a large family. And when you go through this trauma of losing a mother and trying to find your place within a large family, and then that spilling over to finding your place in school because you're dealing with the loss of a, a mother and people not understanding that. And then you go off to yeshiva and you know, it, it, I was I was constantly in an environment of people that didn't under, or maybe people understood, but people that did, it didn't come across to me that people understood uh, who I was and the struggles I was and I was going through. And I, ha I had a lot of people telling me, oh, you're so sweet. You're so kind. You're so this, you're so that. But that was external things. That wasn't who I was. And and for the most part, people didn't understand at least to me, didn't, it didn't appear to understand my internal struggles. And, um, and only later, uh, much later, even after I got married, did I, did, it, did I finally truly begin to address being authentic and being who I, who I am, um, largely because I had my wife who was able to see who I was and see, see that I was struggling with who I was and said, wow you know, really like, you know, if, if I can embrace you, why can't you embrace you? Um, and, and that led me to doing, uh, you know, doing a lot of men's healing work and eventually uh, growing in essentially embracing myself, embracing, you know, who I am, all the gifts that I have and, uh, and then helping other people in the process. Um, and had I had this type of environment as a kid, or, and, and again, as kids, we all have a lot of things, but even as a teenager, if I was, you know, 15, 16 years old in yeshiva and it was a setting where it was like, hey guys, we're gonna go now to this group where you can be authentic. You can say what you're struggling with. You can say who you, you know, you can talk about who you are. It would have been like this huge weight lifted off my shoulders where I can just be me. But, but I, didn't, I didn't know that, it, that such things existed. And I didn't even know that even if it existed, that it was okay for me. And knowing that there's groups out there like this, um, you know, like, like what you're doing, um, whether it's in person, whether it's on Zoom, uh, is, is, such a, um, is, is such a breath of fresh air, knowing that there's places where people can be authentic and be who they are 
um, and just be free and no one's going to judge you. And having that, that opportunity allows you to, you know, just, uh, just fly and, and do, uh, you know, accomplish so much. Um, so thank you for the amazing work you're doing. Uh, if somebody is, if somebody is looking for things in their community, um, you know, what sort of things, maybe they're, they're not ready to join a, a healing group, but uh, one of the thoughts that, that, I, that, that I'm hearing from what you're saying is just join a men's group, whether it's a, a group from your soul, whether it's a group from, uh, you know, from, uh, you know, go play sports with some, some guys and just be, be a, find, find a group of people where you can be authentic and you can be you and they're not going to judge you. And, and go, go to a place and be you. You know, a lot of times we're afraid of what, what's going to happen. And when we finally be ourselves for, you know, once people actually, you know, they'll come over to you later and they say like, wow, you're such an awesome guy. And you're like, oh my gosh, it was the first time I was being myself. Um, and and you, you were afraid that they're going to run away from you. Uh, so yeah. I, I'm hearing from, from what you're saying that this is the type of thing to do. I, I, I think so. There, there, are, there, are, there is access to men's group uh, all over, all over the place, all different types of men's group that don't necessarily deal with any particular thing. But one of the common uh, denominators of these places is that they're groups of men that are looking for a more expressive or authentic, as you as you said it, uh, space. Uh, and there doesn't need to be deep emotional work in these spaces either. Going and playing ball, going to a gym, going to a sauna, going to a pool, going hiking, having a having a barbecue, these are all ways that men connect. But the other suggestion that I make to people is to kind of slip some emotional language in there a little bit, as opposed to, hey, how you doing, Baruch Hashem? Okay, great, take care, take care. Um, answer the question, how you doing? Maybe throw in an emotion word once in a while. I'm feeling, I'm feeling really happy, I'm feeling really sad, I'm feeling really nervous right now, afraid or ashamed or whatever try to slip it in and see how people react. And you might be surprised that they start sharing more back to you and you create these deeper relationships. And the other thing that I suggest to people is when it comes to, to anyone that you're close with or anyone in your family, try to stop using the, the words okay and fine. Great. And you'll see how much it opens you up um, and, and maybe even opens them up. And not everyone's going to be ready, but they may surprise you. That's great. I'm smiling because when I walk down the street and I, you know, somebody says, uh, good morning. Hey, how you doing? I, I'm the only nut who actually responds and says, I'm doing fine. And they're like already down the block. And my wife's like, they didn't even, they weren't even interested. But, you know, what you're saying is, you know, take, take an interest um, and, and share. And, you, and you'd be surprised how once you share, how many people share back in return as well. Yeah. And invite that. Uh, Invite that. Yeah. If people, if you ask people how they're doing and they say Baruch Hashem, um, you can say I know, you know, I know Baruch Hashem. I agree. But how are you doing? Beautiful. Any any parting uh, parting words, parting thoughts that uh, you would want the listeners to hear? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the friend of all of these ways of being that keep us stuck that keep us from really showing up and creating, creating connection are loneliness and shame. 
And those are two really common themes in the world today. And they're killers. A lot of people are living with loneliness and shame and they don't know how to break out of it. And um, these connections, trying them on, trying them out, figuring out where to develop them um, and taking a chance, they are the way to break the cycle because we can't break the cycle of shame or loneliness when we stay by ourselves. So open up and share. That's the key. Well, thank you, Sean, so much for joining me today and sharing your wisdom. Uh, I've, I know I've learned a lot from you over the years, as I'm sure many others will as well and have. Um, and I have no doubt many people are inspired and will be inspired by your words. Uh, as you said before, if somebody wants to join uh, your program or find out more, they can go on Facebook and search for Inner Wholeness. Inner Wholeness right? Workshop. Yep. Inner Wholeness Workshop. And if they, I know you do private coaching as well. So if they want to reach out to you, they can email shalomrosenson at gmail.com. That's me. Did I say that right? Rosenson. Yep. Two O's in Rosenson. Beautiful. Um, well, thank you very much. And uh, this has been an honor for me. And I look forward to talking more in the future. Oh, an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Of course.